You're listening to the Barbell Voodoo Podcast with your host, Jacob Faisigan. Hey everybody, got a great episode for you today on the Barbell Voodoo Podcast. We're actually going to release uh, two episodes uh, from Chris, uh, one today and one next Monday. Hope you enjoy both of them. Also, just wanted to let you know, if you go over to Instagram, give us a follow, I'll send you a code for 20% off your next order at barbell-voodoo.com. Thanks a lot for listening, and I hope you enjoy a few words from our sponsors. This podcast is brought to you by Paleo Works, locally owned meal prep kitchen with a passion for paleo. They want to make it easy for you to reach your nutritional goals and to stay on track. They offer heat and eat paleo meals, athlete recovery meals, and bulk macro items. Their meals feature 100% grass-fed beef and all-natural hormone and free-range chicken and pork. Pick up locations all over Middle Tennessee as well as some delivery options for a small fee. Paleo Works wants to make the nutrition the easiest part of your day. This podcast is also brought to you by NutriShop Franklin. Swing by NutriShop Franklin for free in-body scans, free samples, and unrivaled customer service. And when you do, tell them you heard about it from Jacob from the Barbell Voodoo Podcast. But hey, no worries. If you don't live in Franklin, you can check them out in Murfreesboro or Knoxville. Today's podcast is brought to you by Float Alchemy. Float Alchemy has modern, natural, and effective tools for fast recovery, more flexibility, and focus. We offer flotation therapy, cryotherapy, Normatec recovery, infrared saunas, and more in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. For Barbell Voodoo listeners, we are offering a one-time special price on our CrossFit recovery pack. Normally, that's $162. You get one 60-minute float, one whole-body cryo session, a 40-minute sweat in our infrared sauna, and 30 minutes of Normatec leg recovery system for only $100. Go to floatalchemy.com slash barbellvoodoo to purchase your CrossFit recovery pack and use the code VOODOO at checkout to get $62 off the regular price. They also have Kabucha Taproom. Try their painkiller. The kombucha is packed with anti-inflammatories, including fermented ginger, turmeric, and willow bark, as well as hemp CBD. It is the perfect recovery drink to hydrate and heal from the inside. Also, this podcast is brought to you by Strength Outside the Box. Strength Outside the Box is a podcast hosted by Amy Hester and Lauren Coral, based out of Huntsville, Alabama. It's all about two girls getting to the heart of how a community of CrossFit athletes is changing each other's lives one wad at a time, while digging deep to understand how the lessons learned within the gym can provide strength for obstacles outside the box. Grab a cup of coffee and get ready to make two new gym besties as they chat with members of their own gym, neighboring gyms, and beyond. With each interview comes more laughter and a true sense of community, family, and what it means to have strength outside the box. Find them now wherever you listen to podcasts and on Instagram at Strength Outside the Box. The ladies are currently accepting suggestions for new boxes to visit and feature on their show. If you would like to nominate your awesome gym, email them at strengthoutsidethebox at gmail.com. Today's podcast is also brought to you by the Hot Room Yoga Studio, located in Cool Springs on Seaborn Lane. So you're strong, but how well do you move? Yoga at the Hot Room will help you recover quicker from those tough workouts and increase your range of motion so you can do better in the gym, bringing you pain relief and stress relief. 
You don't have to be gummy to get started. The knowledgeable instructors provide clear and concise instruction for beginners and are committed to helping you get the most out of each yoga class. Visit the website, thehotroomtn.com, and claim your three classes for $20 intro special. Don't let aches and pains slow you down. Get started today. And today's podcast is brought to you by Fight for Air Climb. Join us for the 6th Annual Fight for Air Climb, hosted by the American Lung Association on November 3rd, 2018. This vertical stair climb race will be held at the 505 in downtown Nashville and challenges participants to climb 45 stories. That's 862 steps to the top of the 505, which is the tallest residential building in the state of Tennessee. Registration is only $35, and there's a fundraising fee of $100 by Climb Day. Danny D Fitness is our official fitness sponsor and will kick off the climb around 9 a.m. Sign up now before we fill up at www.climbnashville.org. 100% of the proceeds will go back into programs, research, and advocacy to help improve lung health and save lives. Want to participate in a more intense workout? There are only 12 spots left to participate in the pre-climb race called the Vertical Mile. This happens at 6.30 a.m. on November 3rd. To qualify to participate in this, please email abby.williams at lung.org. That's A-B-B-Y dot W-I-L-L-I-A-M-S at L-U-N-G dot org. And today's podcast is brought to you by Danny D Fitness, owned and operated by Danny Dyer, based out of Franklin, Tennessee. She focuses on positive body image, effective workouts, and loving your journey to the healthier lifestyle. Come see Danny for one-on-one training, tandem or kids training, female small group training, group classes, pop-up events, and so much more. Visit dannydfitness.com. Or find her on Instagram, Facebook at Danny D Fitness One. That's Danny D Fitness and the number one for more info. As always, thanks again for tuning into this podcast. Please make sure you subscribe, leave us a five star review, leave us a comment, let us know you're out there and digging what we're doing. We are so thankful that you are listening and a part of what's going on here. As always, check out Barbell Voodoo, private label. We'd love to be a part of anything you have going on. In the meantime, enjoy the podcast. Huh? Waiting on me, you backing up? No, I'm right. Uh, Like a nickel holding up a dollar? Yeah, I don't know what that means. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Hey, this is Rich Froning. You're listening to Barbell Voodoo Podcast. All right, welcome to another episode of the Barbell Voodoo Podcast. We are joined today by Chris Radican from Panama City Beach, Florida. Um, he is the owner of CrossFit ACR and the only American Strong Fit coach. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's here with us at Barbell Voodoo International Headquarters. International headquarters. Yeah, that's every time I call it yeah. that on the podcast. Yeah, that's great. It is. It's the spot. It is the spot. I like it. And and Roy goes, well, I have shipped things overseas. So there you go. It's <laughs> technically it's like uh, the the flights out of Panama City. It's an international airport. Yeah, yeah. They, they go to Mexico. That's there, where they go. There you go. <laughs> We're international. We're it's worldwide a, right here. It's a worldwide. Oh, so we uh, just uh, Chris is up here. Um, 
leading uh, a little little bit of uh, knowledge bombs with us today. Uh, we had a few uh, CrossFit box owners and some coaches that gathered here, and he um, kind of led us through some things and, and dropped a ton of knowledge bombs on us. Um, and so we're trying to recover from that, and um, he worked us uh, over a little bit and showed us how weak we are. Um, or the weaknesses we have, not yeah. how weak we are. Yeah, yeah. Um, but those are always great to find out. But welcome to the podcast Thank today. You. I appreciate it. I'm glad you're here um, at the World International Headquarters of the Barbell Booth. I feel very uh, pleased to be here. So you um, just were birthed into being strong fit and ACR uh, owner, like there, you have no story in the background. This is who you are and what this you. This is it. Yeah, yeah. zero story. That's how you came into it. No, no, you you, you do have a, uh, a a long and sordid past of, of various things, which I think are pretty cool. Long and um, so how did how did you get to this place? Because because you're in a an elite category for anybody that's that's followed the CrossFit scene recently. You've seen um, a lot about StrongFit. You've seen mm-hmm. uh, Julian. All right, the, yep, the guy Julian that's Pinot. in charge of it, that that invented uh, the originator, uh, the founder, the founder, know. originator, mad scientist. Yeah, he's been breaking into this scene, mm-hmm. and people have just been in awe of what uh, he's teaching and what mm-hmm. he has learned, and, and so they're starting to try to incorporate that. You can actually, in, in, in fact, take a um, seminar through CrossFit now. I think with StrongFit, it usually happens in other countries. I think or something like that. Yeah, it's not. It's not through. It's not through uh, CrossFit. It's just only through StrongFit. But oh, now, okay. StrongFit is an actual um, uh, uh, accredited course for um, additional knowledge or advanced knowledge go. or yeah. whatever. For those of you that have the it, uh, the um, level three certification. Yeah. yeah, that you have to keep on with your continuing education. Continued education that. credit. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's an incredible thing. And so if you haven't checked that out, go to uh, strongfit.com. I think it's a website. Strongfit.com. Um, a lot of stuff on there. YouTube has a lot of cool videos, uh, but you can kind of kind of learn more about that. If you haven't heard of that, I feel like you're, you're living in the can and it's time to pop the top and get out. Yeah. So, yeah, so you um, get it. that's kind of where it is. But so being the only American strong fit coach, so how many worldwide coaches are there? Uh, as of right now, as far as I know, four. But we had two take a test. Okay. Um, out of Switzerland. Wow. Um, so uh, not sure if they passed. I'm pretty sure they passed. They're one of the OG people with me in the first mentor group. So yeah. really smart people. I love them. Um, so they 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 took a test and they'll probably be certified coaches. Yeah. Yeah. So so maybe super six. small group. Yeah. At most six. Currently four. Yeah, six in the world. Um, and so you're in an elite group of humans who have some knowledge that, honestly, we all need to learn about, uh, those who of us who are in the business of movement, um, especially when it, in terms of strength and fitness. Um, it's very helpful. But um, you weren't always this. And so where did, where did you grow up, and, and how did you get to where you are today? Uh, so we're going to take it way back, back into 1979. Woo! Ooh. Yeah. So, uh, no, 1979. Yeah, so I was born in Parkland Hospital, if you don't know where Parkland Hospital. When, when were you born in 1979? Ni- January 19 of 1979. Yeah. I was born on the 31st. In 1979? Yes. Were you really? I, I'm not lying. Dude, look at that. Look at that. Look at that. Fist bump. Look at that. I you guys didn't, didn't see know. it, but there's fist bump. Yeah. I didn't even know. Uh, I don't look that old, yeah. so you wouldn't know. Yeah, you don't. You look uh, 29. <laughs> 29, maybe. 29, maybe. Yeah. 
So, yeah, uh, Parkland Hospital is the hospital that JFK died in. Oh. Um, yeah, so. Trivia. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's the, the call of fame. Um, yeah, so um, born and raised in, in Dallas, Texas, inner city Dallas, actually Oak Cliff, or some people call it South Oak Cliff. Uh, very, very uh, inner city. Um, think of like uh, wannabe South Central L.A., yeah, um, I was one of only a few white kids in my in my school. Uh, me and my little brother. Um, you and like Snoop Dogg. Yeah, me really. me and Snoop. Yeah, I think he's from LA. But uh, yeah, no. So, um, wasn't it South Central? Wasn't that what you were saying? South Central? Yeah, LA. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah not me though. Right. I yeah, know. Yeah. But you were so, saying it's similar, right? Yeah, yeah. It's very similar. Very similar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so how many switches did you have on your car? Uh, I didn't have a lot of switches. I didn't drive in 1979. No. Yeah, the car, I grew up up in inner city Dallas. My mom uh, was a everything drug head, uh, alcoholic. Uh, My dad was a hippie, so you can imagine what kind of stuff he did. Uh, Both of them are gone now, so I can talk about them. Yeah. Uh, No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, No, I love my dad. Uh, Actually... uh, my dad got cussed in me in 1980, uh, which is very rare for a man to have custody of a child, sole custody of a child. Gosh, especially back then. Yeah, especially yeah. during that time. Um, so I, I had a he, he was a mechanic and didn't you know have any money. We had a rough upbringing. Uh, uh, when I say I grew up in the ghetto, I mean it. I grew up in the ghetto. Like yeah, the ghetto. So, uh, rough upbringing. Um, there's a lot of times where like I cooked my own dinner at night and like rough upbringing in terms of absentee because your father had to work so much to sustain living or in terms of like abuse, like what, what is, uh, yeah. Uh, so, uh, rough upbringing as in, uh, as a white kid, you either learn how to do two things, fight really well or run really fast. Hmm. Uh, I learned to do both. Um, depending on if my brother was with me or not, uh, okay. my brother was younger than me. I'm the oldest of four sisters and two brothers. Um, four sisters, four sisters. These are, uh, I, yeah, I only have step and, uh, and stepsisters, stepbrothers or half brother. Okay. So, uh, um, I'm the only child of my father's, which is a funny story in and of itself because I'm a one night stand kid, huh. literally a one night stand kid. Yeah. Dad met mom at a party, smoked a doobie. Did the deal. Yeah. I came out nine months later. There you go. So, uh, so yeah. Um, rough upbringing. My dad worked a lot. Uh, didn't really know how to raise a kid at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, got my ass handed to me very often. Um, actually went to court twice for child abuse. Um, and uh, my dad almost lost me. Is that out of neglect? No, out of uh, bruises from the back of my knees to the middle of my back. Gotcha. Yeah. That so the discipline. Yeah. Um, Cause you know, not knowing how to raise a kid uh, and then, you know, being, being a guy working hard as hell and having a kind of hard headed kid, uh, yeah. you know, I didn't help matters out sometimes. So, um, I mean, you're figuring things out, you mean, yeah. you know, to the best of your ability and yeah, at six and seven years old, I don't know what the fuck's going on. So sure. all you know <laughs> um, is how you're treated and how you're trying to survive. And- it, yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, that happened, and then, you know, I spent every other weekend with my mom and, and my uh, my half-brother, and uh, she did the same thing. Um, she just did it with a paddle. It was mm-hmm. a, 
a uh, fraternity paddle because <laughs> she's a she was a, a smaller lady. Yeah. Uh, so she just beat me and my brother with a paddle. But I had some of the most fun in my life with my mom. Yeah. So she would take me. I've been to a George Michael concert with my mom. I've been to <laughs> yeah. Def Leppard, White Snake, uh-huh. like uh, you know, uh, all these concerts with my mom at like the age of eight and nine. Yeah. You know, like standing next to the big speaker, can't hear nothing for three days after, and right. just like <laughs> watching a one-armed drummer just like beat the shit out of her drums, and like I don't know how he's going that fast, but it's ridiculous. Yeah. You know? um, and then you know she was a partier, obviously, and uh, you know me and my brother used to. St- uh, slip drinks whenever she wasn't looking from her mm-hmm. beer bottle or whatever. And, um, yeah, rough, rough, rough upbringing until, uh, my dad met my stepmom who were my step, uh, sister and brother come from and, um, uh, really great lady. She's still alive. Um, her name's Renee. She, um, she really was the mom Yeah, and, um, had brothers and sisters uh, my little sister only has one arm, so that was kind of fun mm-hmm. messing with her, telling her always use both hands for everything. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so she was the mom, and she she Did took she care of us more. Uh, no, Van Halen, uh, maybe Van, Van Halen. One hand, one, one armed. No, 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 it was only well, maybe. I feel like somebody was one arm. It was Def Leppard, yeah. maybe one other. I don't think it was Van Halen. No. Uh, but uh, no, she was born and raised in a Navy family, so she she, uh, she grew up in Puerto Rico. So a white girl okay. that can speak fluent Spanish. And yeah, she worked in, yeah, me too. She worked in restaurants. So we got to eat at restaurants a lot. Nice. Um, because at the time we were poor. So my dad got a, um, finally ended up getting a good job, good job at UPS. So we moved to a town called Louisville up in North Texas, mm-hmm. um, about an hour and a half north of uh, Dallas. Started living a little bit uh, better life, kind of country boy life. There's like cornfields and stuff around to yeah. give you a, kind of an idea. Our, uh, high school mascot was the farmers. Mm, okay. Yeah. yeah. Real intimidating. Yeah. It's crazy intimidating. Uh, but, uh, we are also one of the best, uh, high school football teams in the entire state. Which and is a big deal. Same in Texas, Texas, that is a huge deal. Yeah. So if you've ever like read or, or, or seen the movie Friday night lights, those are the teams that we played. Probably one of my favorite TV series. Yeah, Odessa Permian, all those guys. Those, those are um, those are the guys that we played in the playoffs. And uh, so, which character were you? Uh, uh, did, did you watch the series? No, I never watched the series. Uh, I only watched I the movie. You can yeah. identify with one of the nah, characters. I, 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 I yeah. wish I had time to watch that kind of TV, but I, I, I don't a lot. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's who that's who we played. I, um, cool yeah, I won. Uh, I won the what? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Candles? Is that what you said? I was having a moment. No. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so we ended up winning a state championship. I played middle linebacker, played um, played uh, freshman, started as a freshman through high school. Um, so, do you, so did life get kind of better? It did get better. There? Yeah, it yeah. got easier because we had more money. Money gotcha. makes things easier. Yeah. Not necessarily better, but it makes things easier. Lowered the stress level. A little bit, You yeah. got involved in a... In a Sport. Highly competitive program. Oh, yeah. Super competitive. That yeah. required your focus. Yep. That maybe alleviated it from other places that, you know, were distracting before. Nope, well. not at all. In a way, yeah. shape, or form. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was brought home by the police. Yeah. Because I was going to my girlfriend's house at midnight. Okay. And there was a curfew at 10. And uh, you get brought home to my household by the police. And uh, on the way there, I'm begging him. I'm yeah. like... No, you don't understand. You don't know my dad. Please, he's gonna beat me. I don't. You, you think I'm kidding? No, he's gonna beat me. Yeah. 
please let me out. You can watch me walk in the door. Like, uh, I'll go in. I promise. I promise. Yeah. Right. No. no, they got to knock on the door and bring me home and, you know, do their due diligence. And uh, my dad did. At that time, I was big enough and old enough that he stopped hitting me with a belt and started hitting me with his fist. So different. Uh, it's, it was different. Yeah. And I was I was already a big kid. Um, uh, you know, at freshman in high school, I'm 205 pounds and mm-hmm. zero body fat. So uh, I'm a big kid. Yeah. Um, my dad was a really big uh, guy. He's uh, close to 300 pounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had five brothers. They were all big. Like I come from, uh, I actually did my history and I come from a line of Vikings yeah. uh, through Scotland. And um, I wish through Iceland. I, w- I wish I could claim that. But yeah, no. that'd be cool. But uh, Celts and, 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 uh, oh, and big Vikings. Stock. Big Big guys, yeah. Big stock. So I got my ass handed to me. Yeah. Uh, by grown man wise. So um, I didn't do that much anymore after that. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, it was hard to walk and, and breathe for a while after that. So, um, hmm. But, you know, as I got older and, and, and had a son of my, my own, I, I started understanding that it necessarily wasn't the right way to do things, but understood the, the love that was, uh, although very hard to see behind it, it was still there. Yeah, and sure. Because ultimately, you you discipline your children out of love. Yeah, but how that takes place is, yeah. is you know. Yeah, the way that some there's better ways to do it than others, sure, sure. and that wasn't necessarily the best way. But uh, at the time, that was the best way to keep me from being the the next uh, statistic. Um, I was the only kid out of all of my siblings that graduated high school. I'm the yeah. only kid that went to college. Hmm. Um, Cause you were living wide open. I was, yeah. I mean, just full bore. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. For, for, a, in a lot of ways. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, before that, before I started playing football, I was, uh, you know, I won multiple gold medals in state track and, uh, shot put and disc and, uh, went to state multiple times in a 400, uh, 400 meter dash. And, you know, it, and, in eighth grade running a 56 second 400 is a big deal mm-hmm. and i still got my ass whooped but i was that fast <laughs> yeah did so was your dad involved with that like always did he always come watching always yeah. yeah my dad never missed one thing he was proud of you uh very proud he was your typical yeah. texas football dad yeah he was 100 percent like on the sidelines like my dad had false teeth ever since he was in his mid-30s uh-huh. and there's so many times where my dad would be yelling and his teeth come flying out of his mouth. <laughs> and I don't mean like just fall out, like yeah. come like projectile. Yeah, there's pictures a lady was taking of me, uh, which is the funniest thing is she was taking, and I still have a lot of them. Mm-hmm. She was taking a picture of me down the field um, playing this peewee football. And uh, my dad, for whatever reason, was in the big, like, uh, like the big box that's up off the ground. Okay. Um, and so was she taking pictures. I guess he knew her, their friends. He was probably trying to hit on her or something. And, uh, um, there's a picture of her taking a picture of me running into the end zone and my dad's teeth are in the background <laughs> because he's yelling and yeah. my dad's teeth are coming yeah. out. It's, uh, yeah, it's pretty funny. Uh, yeah, here's your <laughs> typical Texas high school, Texas football dad, like pushed me, pushed me, pushed me. Yeah. And no, you're going to be the best. The only reason I ran track is so I could be faster for football. Like, sure. yeah. you know, is, uh, all that. And, um, uh, I, I was, I was decent. I was, I is was Texas football nowadays the same as it was. Uh, no. Yeah. No, it's, uh, because before, I mean, cause the time that you're describing, especially 
I mean, that's that's what all the sh- shows were about. I mean, that's yep. what that, that's what people are documenting yep. because of its level of intensity and yep. skill and like everything centered around football. Yeah, uh, I mean, don't get me wrong; I still like that, yep. but not to the extent it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we get you know safer, you know the, the more knowledge we have, we get safer. We understand that that kid's not just being weak; he actually has a heat stroke. You know what I mean? It's, <laughs> you know, it's 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 those things where we don't have. You know, we had three a days where it was like, you, you don't go home, you don't get rest. Like we were going to go, we're going to do a morning, mm-hmm. um, you know, fitness, like training. And then you're going to go straight into, sh- uh, helmets and shorts and then yeah. straight into full pads. And you're, it's, it's three a days. Right. Right. But the only reason it's called three a days instead of one, just really giant long six hour practice is because they stopped fed you something for 20 minutes and then you practiced and then they stopped and you did an hour film and then you went and practice. Yeah. So it was like, it was three a days, but it wasn't really, it was like right. seven hours, six, seven hours of just straight football. Yeah. Right. And, and, and Texas where it's a hundred and hundred degrees yeah. and, and, uh, it's hotter and shit and <laughs> you're just, it, but it made it tougher. Yeah. Kid, uh, high school football now is nowhere near as tough as it used to be. Sure. Even in Texas. Mm-hmm. I mean, Texas football is better than any other state football-wise, but it's not as good as it used to be. Yeah. Sure. So, yeah. Yeah. So you uh, make it into college. So what happens um, there? Like you just uh, you keep playing football there? No, no, no. I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't go to uh, college directly after high okay. school. So um, I played my, which I think we talked about this a little bit today, but I, I, I played with a uh, blue chip top 10 pick in the nation. His mm-hmm. name is Shannon Brazil. He's, uh, he's one of those guys that uh, he ended up going to the NFL, but he's one of those guys that you swear he knew the play. Yeah. You swore to God that he knew the play they were running before they even got to the line. <laughs> like he was that guy. I mean, yeah. he was a big time studier. He was, but on top of that, he would, he would fly leap over the offensive line, Superman midair, mm. tackle the running back in the background as soon as he got the ball. And it wouldn't be like every now and then it would yeah. be like six, seven, eight, ten 10 times a game. Creepy often. Like, like stupid. Like you thought he knew the play. Yeah. You knew exactly where he was going. I mean, he's just, he was a really good athlete, mm. really good athlete, um, and, and did study. Sure. And, and knew what was happening. That was, his thing was football. His thing was football. And um, he ended up getting uh, picked to go to TCU. Uh, he played at TCU with LaDainian Tomlinson. Mm-hmm. Uh, they became best friends. He actually now runs LT's uh, foundation. The guy's name is Shannon Brazil. You can look him up. He's in the yeah. TCU Hall of Fame with LT and um, great athlete. Um, but because he was picked and I was strong side, he was weak side and I had just as many tackles, almost as many behind the line tackles, almost as many sacks. Mm-hmm. Like I, I wasn't as good, but I was fucking good. Yeah. And I got a big head whenever the hmm. big D one schools weren't sending me letters mm. and all of my buddies that were playing like his little brother, Danielle Brazil was, uh, one of my uh, good friends, I played with him all the way through Pee Wee and everything. And he was, uh, I was the starting running back and linebacker. And he was like the the other starting running back because we were in Wispone at that time. And and and, and like a DN or a, a, a cornerback. And, you know, we always played together. And 
um, he was getting like D1 letters because of his brother wow. and play. He was a very good athlete and all these other guys. And, um, and I was getting like big D2 schools and really small D1 schools. And I was pissed. Yeah. Um, why were you, why were you pissed? You just I, thought you deserved it. You I it? thought I was better than that. Yeah. I need to go to UT. I need to go to, I need to go to, I need to go to Baylor. I need to go to, you know, all these yeah. other schools. And it was like university of North Texas where I actually ended up going to college anyway. Um, right. or, you know, all these other small schools, like schools in Minnesota. And, you know, I was like, I want to go to FSU. I want to go to, you know, all the, and yeah. no, and I wasn't getting those letters. And, um, which I should have just picked UNT because uh, a lot of guys from our rival. So um, if we didn't win state or go to state, our in-town rival went Marcus and won. So it was like us and them back to back to back to back. uh, I was really lucky. My high school had um, almost all ex-NFL coaches Mm -hmm. or ex-NFL players that were our coaches and like our our um, strength training guy was an ex NFL strength training guy. Like we, we were very lucky. Biggest, yeah. one of the biggest schools in Texas at the time, over like almost six thousand students in the high school, and um, we were really good. And, and uh, we got to play a lot of big teams, and we showed out. And we always, I mean, we won almost all mm-hmm. the time. We were undefeated in our championship year, and all the, you know, all these things kind of get in your mind as a kid. And yeah. look, I'm a badass, dude. I'm you. I'm the best linebacker out here. I was. Well, and you're pumped full of that with yeah. every single person around. Exactly. You. And, yeah. you know, I'm one of the popular kids in class and in, in school, and everybody knows me. And you know, all that kind of sure. BS that comes along with it. And um, so I just got a, a big head, and I was like, "Yeah, this is stupid." Which I ended up should have gone to UNT anyway because they won like four or five years straight the Sun Belt Conference <laughs> and I would have like handfuls of rings yeah. and yeah. and all this, I could I should you know I should have done that anyway but you know hindsight's twenty twenty and that's just the way things happen. So decision made though. It, it wasn't the decision I made, so I ended up joining the Navy. Um, so you were like, "F this, I'm going to the Navy." That's it. That's basically what you did. Basically, yeah. My dad was a uh, was an Army uh paratrooper freaking uh tank mechanic and um i was like you know his dad was in the military and my grandfather was uh, in the navy and um uh my step grandfather who's i call my grandfather um, he was a cattle farmer and drove little boats and uh in the navy uh pt boats and um so i was like i'm going to the navy and i uh, actually, that's not the full story. I actually went to a, a recruiting office and they had Army, Navy, Marines, and Air Force all in one. Yeah. And each recruiter was separated by a glass wall. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was glass wall or just a really big window. Anyway, so I actually, at first, I was like, I'm going to the Marines. Marines are badasses. I'm going to go be a force recon guy. I'm going to I'm gonna be a, a motherfucker. You know? Yeah. So I... Um, I go in there to talk to him, and the re- and the recon guy, the marine guy, guy was um, he wasn't there yet. Okay. And the navy guy was like, the navy guy was like, uh, just go in there and sit down and hang out, and he'll be back in a couple of minutes. And I was like, all right. And meanwhile, the navy guy had a couple of guys coming in, and they were looking at um, uh, navy special operations and a video. He had a VHS video popped in, boom. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting in this marine chair, like watching this video through this window, and I'm like, "Hold on, I want to do that." Yeah. Hold on, that looks 
I want to do. I got out of the Marines and went into the Air, uh, Navy, and I was like, that's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. He was like, all right. There you go. Signed on the dotted line, and that's uh, what I did. I went to uh, went to the Navy, went to boot camp, and then uh, I was uh, went through pre buds training, which is buds is basically uh, basic underwater demolition school for seals. Mm-hmm. Um, went through pre pre buds. Uh, everybody goes through pre buds for um, special operations or what they call special programs for the Navy. Yeah, and outside of that, went to went to be a diver, and. Uh, Went to dive school. That was six months long of wow. some of the hardest shit. Between pre-buds and dive school, I went through the hardest shit I've ever been in my life. Yeah. Um, I was doing wave torture in 32-degree water in, uh, in the Great Lakes in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh, running mileage, doing you know all the stuff you see SEALs doing at BUDS. If you've never seen those videos... Look them up. That's what we were doing pre-buds. Yeah. And then going to Panama City, Florida for dive school. And got my ass handed to me there for six months straight, trying to drown me, try to kill me. and Yeah. A little bit different uh, ass handling at that point. Right? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. A little. Yeah. Not much. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's pretty much the same to a certain point. Okay. Um, uh, Budge is definitely much harder, definitely much harder uh, than dive school, but dive school is not a joke. Sure. Um, and got my ass handed to me, and uh, and I wouldn't quit or refuse to. Mm. Uh, they were they were going to have to literally kill me before I said no. Now, why is that? Uh, it's my mentality. Uh, honestly, I think it goes back to those two days of playing football. Okay. I would leave every single day with. Half of my linebackers coach's dip on my face mask hmm. from him yelling at me, screaming at me, making us do all these up downs and all this stuff in full pads in 110 degree heat in Texas. Like, dude, you're in Florida mm-hmm. and it's 90 degrees and I'm in the water. Good luck trying to make me quit. Yeah. And I didn't. I never quit. Yeah. I, I don't have I don't have it in me. Yeah. And. Um, even at almost 40 years old today, it's good luck. Yeah. So what's the, what's the difference, um, in mentalities with high school, not getting the schools you wanted and, and, and quitting that mm-hmm. line, which you were on mm-hmm. that course, mm-hmm. um, and then changing over to the Navy mm-hmm. and being relentlessly unwilling to quit or stop. Uh, anger. All right. Well, uh, so I was pissed off that I didn't get to go where I wanted to go. And my whole thing was, fuck you. I'll show you. I'm going to the Navy. I'm going to be a badass. And that's what I did. Yeah. And like all those colleges and those head coaches and all that stuff that like, they're going to see me and be like, Oh shit, we should have taken them. Yeah. No, obviously that, you know, I'm just a stupid, you know, 18 year old kid. Sure. But that's, you know, for me, that was the deal. Yeah. I was like, fuck you. All, all these people that talk shit about me and you're such a badass. Why do you go to college? And all this, and like, you know why? Because I want to be a badass, way more of a badass somewhere else. You feel like you had more control by choosing your own course going to the Navy? 
Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, of course. Like at that, at that time, you graduated high school and your life is in your hands. Yeah. Like you know, my of course I told my dad and he 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 sat there and I told him in uh, in Golden Crow. Golden Crow was our thing. Every yeah. Wednesday we would always go to Golden Crow. Is he called it the trough? The trough. Yeah, that's <laughs> my dad, excellent description. Yeah. yeah. My dad's a, a redneck hippie, and that's I mean. He's a super Texas accent, super, like every other word is cuss word, like redneck, uh-huh. redneck, right? And uh, they're saying, boy, we're going to go over to the trough and eat tonight. And, uh, you know, I, and that's that's how it was. And I, I asked him to meet me at the trough. And uh, we had dinner and we were talking and, you know, I gathered up as much courage as I possibly could to tell my, the man I've always tried to be impressed that, you know what? I'm not going to college to play football. I'm gonna. You're not going to have your dream of a son playing in the NFL for the Dallas Cowboys. You're going to have a son that's going in the Navy. So he was clear about that dream for you. Oh yeah, his life. entire life. Oh yeah. yeah. And 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 to be fair, so that was mine too. Yeah. That was that was mine too until until because at that time there was no like T there was no TO situations of going to like a super small D2 school and then going to the NFL. Okay. Like if you went anywhere less than a D like a good D1 school, you didn't go to the NFL. Yeah. Like it it was almost unheard of. Sure. Like if you go to Ohio or Texas or Baylor or you know all these mm-hmm. you don't go to the NFL. And and that's some of the things that I was pissed off at cuz it felt to me that you know it killed my dream. So uh, not being able to go to a big D one school. Mm. Of course, I'm not going to the NFL by then. So I was fucking pissed and you know yeah. all that. And so I gathered up all the, the the courage I could, and and I told my dad, "Look, I'm going to the Navy." And in the middle of Golden Corral, my grown ass man, hard as a rock, father started bawling his eyes out because mm. he didn't want me to be in the military. Why? Because uh, he'd been in the military, and he he didn't want me going to war. And at that time, there was no war, right? Uh, we just got done from the... Um, but he uh, was worried he would lose his... Son. All-star son. He would lose his only son. Yeah. Um, his only blood. Right. Um, the only one to carry his name at that time. Mm-hmm. He's all my step-siblings uh, and all them. They right. didn't have our name. So, um, yeah, I, I was... And my dad was very, a very paternal uh, father. I mean, he had me... The only, one of the few fathers that had sole custody. Yeah. Like, I mean, in the report, I actually have the report, and I read it all the time. It's, he, uh, it says in there that uh, he mentions that if he doesn't get a son, he don't know what he'll do. Yeah. He has to have his son. Mm-hmm. And that's, the, that's his, that was his thought process. Like I told you, he beat the shit out of me, but behind that, there was an immense yeah. amount of love. And so. now he's worried about losing you. Now he's going to lose me. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so I, I joined the Navy and, and went to dive school and became a yeah. diver for, for 10 years. So... How did you get out of the Navy? Uh, yeah, so that's that's a that's a that's a, it's really not a cool story, but it's a story. Uh, <laughs> this is great. Yeah, it's not cool. It's not cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, at ten years, uh, when you're in the military, you have two choices: stay or go. That's like at ten years. You that's if you go a year after that, you're going. Because yeah. now you're looking at retirement, and you're not going to do 15 and then get out. You know what I mean? Yeah. At 10, you make that decision. And at 10 years, um, after working for an EOD mobile unit, when 9-11 what happened, I was at a EOD mobile unit, and and uh, you know all that shit happened, and mm-hmm. you know doing all kinds of demolition work and all that. 
and and at, doing work at a demolition unit and diving and, and all that and then going being an instructor and trying to make the hardest men in the world quit which i did a lot yeah. and you know beating the shit out of guys underwater that refused to quit and watching them drown or not drown but pass out underwater and bring them back to life on the surface and them say that was crazy put me back in you know what i mean that that being in that mentality and then hmm. going to my last duty station in, in jacksonville where i was doing real diver stuff like you know hard hat diver stuff and you know pulling you know props off of uh propellers off of uh ships that were you know would barely fit into a 20,000 square foot building and I mean where the bolts I can't even imagine that yeah I mean and doing it with two guys underwater two yeah. guys two cranes a bunch of chain hoist and manpower yeah and you know the bolts were 15 20 pounds a piece crazy. you know that's a bolt yeah and it's, it's, it's crazy so you know doing all that stuff and having a pretty wide range of uh, experiences and 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 going off and doing other things in different places of, of the world and working with the SEAL team and 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 doing all those things. You know, at that time, my experience level was you know this is really cool stuff. I like it, mm-hmm. uh, but is it what I want to do for the rest of my life? And I've always had that that need in the back of my head to still play ball or or to still train or mm-hmm. to do something else and. Um, that's when I made the decision, uh, after, uh, hurting my back, um, at my last duty station, if you weren't in the water, you were pulling up and, uh, tools from the divers Mm -hmm. and the tool basket, you know, 150, 200 pounds of just rope pulls to you and me being the biggest guy on the team, guess who got to do it all the time. Yeah. And you know, at that time, having zero knowledge of movement and, and how to do things or not, not exactly the correct way. Yeah. Fairly um, ironic. Yeah. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I hurt my back. Uh, and one day I bent over to, to pick up my boots and my back popped and I couldn't stand up straight for two weeks and got x-rays and all that MRIs and all that. And, uh, two herniated and, uh, or two bulging and one herniated disc in my L three, four, five. And, uh, screwed up my shoulder and mm-hmm. uh, collapsed, actually collapsed the inside of my calf, which I don't know if you've ever noticed, but that's like cellular, uh, that's that's not muscle, that's just soft. Hmm. I'm flexing. So yeah. um, uh, uh, like 200-pound grate fell on my leg underwater at like 60 feet. and um, um, It was time. Sure, yeah. It was time. I was like, all right. Body was broken. Yeah, uh, yeah. I've always had that. That uh, I don't know if you call it survival instinct or whatever you want to call it, but that all right, I'm taking too much beating. Yeah, and um, it's it's time to pull the ripcord, mm. and I'm going to go do something else. And uh, on top of that, and the bureaucracy, and uh, I'm not very good with authority. <laughs> um, Can't imagine why. Yeah. So uh, it's just funny because now where we live, one of my my sea daddy, the my first. Uh, boss mm-hmm. at my first uh, command at the EOD unit. His name's Rick Hellman, great friend of mine. Um, he learned quickly that you don't tell me what to do. You ask me to do it, and I'll do it all day long. Mm. But if you tell me to do it, like you're the man and I'm not, 
then uh, I'll just yeah. tell you to fuck off. Sure. <laughs> and I got a lot of trouble as a young diver and uh, uh, many times uh, almost really big trouble. And mm. um, uh, so all those things combined, I was like, you know what, it's, uh, it's time to move on. It's 10 years. I got yeah. I, I to do something else. And um, I mean, at the time, I'm. I'm making, I'm a diver. I'm making all the extra pay. I'm making like $75,000 a year. And mm-hmm. I just kind of, uh, it's one of the few times in my life where I was just like, step off the ledge, go. Yeah. And I did. And um, I went and did other things. That's when I, I got out and uh, uh, I went to college. Yeah. So, so, so you, uh, now you're, you're at college just as a student? Yeah, that's uh, it's it's kind of funny. Um, I, that's why I, I I went to I went to just be a student. I went to for a degree in kinesiology, and at the time, actually, kinesiology and game design. So my yeah. whole like super fabulous genius idea at the time was I'm gonna go be one of those EA guys that wears all the little dots, and I'm gonna have a better understanding of movement. So the the football players on Madden will look better, and you know yeah, you know this whole thing sense. and. Until I realized how much programming and math gaming takes. And I was like, yeah. that's not going to do that. So let's do something else. <laughs> uh, so um, not realizing that like kinesiology is like ugh, it's a shit ton of math anyway uh, by itself. So I did health promotion and in, in, uh, in kinesiology. Yeah. Um, actually never ended up uh, finishing. Okay. Uh, got to a point to where... Uh, Baby mama and baby need uh, food on the table. So, you had a relationship with somebody at some point in there. Yeah, I was. Yeah, oh yeah, I got married. Um, Left that out. That's a yeah, I did. That's a good oh, catch. Weird. Yeah, I got. Uh, so in dive school, I um, uh, met a girl um, uh, and married her after knowing her for three weeks. All right. Yeah. Uh, probably one of the biggest mistakes of my life, but it's a uh, real rational to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. a good idea at the time. Um, yeah. Felt uh, right. Yeah, I did. Um, <laughs> thought she was one type of person. She wasn't. Um, oh, yeah. And one of those kind of things. And Interesting uh, how often I've heard that story. Yeah, after three weeks, yeah. you think you know somebody. Well, I mean, even uh, <laughs> even people that have been a little longer. But, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, so my son came out of it, and um, Austin, um, <laughs> literally, yeah, he did come out of it. Uh, he was a, um, yeah, he did come out of her, really. Uh, yeah, thank you. He's a, uh, <laughs> I caught it. I was just trying to be polite. Uh, yeah, so he's actually um, he's a miracle kid. Yeah. Uh, my wife had five miscarriages, and. Um, she, we found out that she actually had a uterus shaped like a heart, so she's yeah. uh, not really supposed to be able to have kids, and um, I had my son, and yeah. uh, he was hard-headed enough to hold on to, and it's very prevalent now that. from his grandfather, I think. Uh, <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but um, no, no, he's, and, and now he's 15, and... Um, uh, great kid, uh, ridiculously strong kid, big kid. Yeah. Um, uh, great kid, and uh, that's like the one great thing that came out of that. Other than that, is pretty yeah. much a wash. I met him about a year ago. Yeah, it's a great I was, kid. I was, yeah, He's way kid. bigger now than he used to be. That's it. <laughs> He's as, yeah. almost as tall as I am at 15 and full of muscle and zero yeah. fat. Man, I don't know what that's like. Yeah, I do. And then I started drinking beer and it went away. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So 
so yeah, it's, so uh, how does that does he like how how much of a, a role do you have in his life? Like, so I, I have him uh, every other week. Okay. Um, so I have as much of a role as possible in his life. So you guys live close. Oh, we here. live in yeah. yeah, we live in the same town. Um, you know, yeah. I have him one week. His mom has him another week, and um, um, that's, yeah, that's that's the that's the that's the way we do it. And, yeah. Uh, I try to spend as much time as I could and, or I can, and um, we just kind of keep keep grooving with life, man. Sure. I uh, I learned a lot of the wrong ways to do things from my father, so I try not to do those, and I do them a little bit better. And sure, I uh, try to be the best dad I can when I can. That's the goal, you know. That's it. You take what the good things are and the things you treasure from what you experienced, and. Try to try to move the bad things to a little bit more healthier of a situation. That's yeah. it, yeah, man. Yeah, no doubt. That's really cool. So does he play? He play ball? Uh, he used to. Um, kind of a crazy story. My life's full of crazy stories. Uh, he used to play football in Texas. Put him in Pee Wee, and <coughs> um, it, it got so bad now that, like, I at the time I had the most experience in, in football. Um, because of stuff I did after college or during college and then after, after the Navy. Um, and they were just already having kids that were like eight, nine head hunting, hmm. like just trying to take cheap shots and trying to like, all they cared about was the big hit and, yeah. and all the this stuff. Yeah. And all this stuff. And I was like, look, dude, my kid's amazing. My, I mean, he was yeah. like, he would, he was one of those kids. They put him at nose guard because he w- was so fast off the ball, he would take the ball out of the quarterback's hands once it was hiked to him. <laughs> or he would sack the quarterback. There yeah. was a game he had 16 sacks and four fumble recoveries. Wow. That's As a nose tackle. Yeah. Like, I mean, he was stupid. They would be like, you know, watch out for that Radican. Don't let number 33 come in. You got it. I mean, it would just be. And then they started taking cheap shots on him. And and I was like, you know what? I'm not doing that. My kid, I played football from when I was seven years old until I was 33, 34. And, dude, I've had probably close to 13 concussions and. My kid didn't need to take those shots. Right. I mean, there's things that I can't remember before junior high. Sure. Because of that. And it, it, there's no reason. So I, pull, I pulled him out of that. And uh, when we moved back, when we moved to Panama City, he started playing uh, in junior high. And um, his second year, seventh, eighth grade year, um, uh, he really started complaining about one eye. He, it was blurry. Hmm. And um, so I was like, all right. And uh, got his mom to take him to the doctor and found out he had an extremely rare uh, tumor in his eye hmm. that had separated his retina. Okay. And so we had to pull him out of football. Can't have any contact while doing that. And um, so rare, in fact, like uh, a lot of the major eye doctors in the country came to Florida to see his eye. Wow. Um, ended up doing like some cryo treatments trying to freeze the the blood vessels that fed blood to it so it stopped growing sure. tried uh surgery and then ended up having to do uh radiation in his eye um so they put a, like a little tiny radiation chip 
and uh, in, in his eye, and he had to wear like a metal eye patch and couldn't be around friends and family because of the amount of radiation that was coming out of him. And yeah, um, and it ended up killing the blood vessels supplying it, and um, so the retinas slowly, still to the day, is still coming back. Okay. And he's gotten some vision back in. Like, the body's a crazy thing. It's a perfect machine. And if he uses both eyes, he has 20-20 vision. Yeah. But if he only uses that one eye, it's like looking through milk. Yeah. Or milky water. Yeah. Like, it's, or like, it, like when you wake up in the morning, your, your, your window is super frosted over. Mm-hmm. And you can see uh, objects out there, but you right. can't make out definition. Right. Like he could stand, he could sit from me to you and mm-hmm. see you there, but he couldn't make out your facial definition. Yeah, and um, and now it's gotten better. It's it's slowly coming back and it's slowly getting better, but it'll never be to the point to where he can take contact. Yeah. So he'll never play football for the rest of his life. Yeah. Which is I'm fine with that. I'm not. Yeah. A, I'm not How's a football. He, how's he feel about that? Uh, he's. Um. I think some of the love of my football was from my dad. Sure. And I've never pushed my kid to do anything. I'm uh, um, very much from the thought process of do everything. Don't focus on one, mm-hmm. which is one of the reasons I hate uh, the teen division of CrossFit. But um, <laughs> uh, I've never pushed him into playing football. I say, if you want to play, let's play. Yeah, you don't have to be me. Right? Like, yeah, I, dude, I got rings, and you don't need to have rings. Mm-hmm. Guess what my rings mean? Shit. Yeah. I got them. They're fancy. They're cool, full of diamonds and sparkly and all that. But you know what? At the end of the day, it don't mean nothing, man. Mm-hmm. Don't mean nothing. I'm me. You be you. Sure. And make you make your decision on what you want to do with your life, and I'll and I'll and I'll go with you, dude. I'll support you all the way. Yeah. And his biggest thing has always been gymnastics. That's cool. He's always a kid trying to learn how to do a backflip or front flip or whatever. And he ended up teaching himself to do a lot uh, with a trampoline or or um, just on the ground. And uh, when he finally got um, allowed to do athletic, non-contact athletic mm-hmm. stuff, I uh, took him to gymnastics. And um, started learning and fell in love with it. And yeah. he does gymnastics and parkour. And now he's actually a coach. And he coaches at the same gymnastics place uh, four to five days a week. And has a job at 15. And yeah, that's cool. coaches kids. And he loves it. And uh, that's that's what he does. Other than that, he wants to be a, be an actor and work for Disney and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. So um, football has always been a part of our life. But it's never been pushed a part of his. So yeah. he does what he wants. Yeah, a little different, different uh, area of parenting for you, you know, than than what you what you experienced. Yeah, I think it's different. Still, this hardcore support is there. Yeah, it's just not necessarily the pressure to to fit in one one place. Yeah, I think it's a different. I've, I've taught. I know. I've known uh, quite a few NFL guys in my life, and, and some uh, MLB guys, and and um, it's interesting talking to them because. Like, my dad n- never really did much in football. Like, mm-hmm. he played for L.D. Bell, which is a big Dallas team. and Yeah. Um, but he never really did much, so his dream was passed on to me. But, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I played minor league professional football. I, pl- I, I, I played at the highest level in high school football you can get to. I won championships. I have professional championship rings. Like, I, ha- I have these things, and 
there's no need for me to push what I wanted from my life onto my kid. Mm-hmm. I did it. Like I'm, I'm, I'm satisfied with my life. He needs to be satisfied with his. Yeah. So that I never had that need to make him more than I ever was. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting talking about, you know, from the parental perspective, especially, um, I was listening to another podcast this week and they're talking about their experience with other parents in the stands. Oh yeah. It's bad. And so they were drawing the correlation and I don't know if it, if it's really true or not, um, between the ones that get all hot mm-hmm. and are screaming and losing their minds mm-hmm. are generally, their, their observation is, generally the ones that never experienced winning as a kid or success even in yeah. a sport. Yeah. And so they are trying to live, you know, probably, I just have to say, probably unintentionally through their kid because mm-hmm. um, I don't think any parent would go, this I'm going to do this, but it, yeah, yeah. it's just part of, you it just know, happens. Mm-hmm. You're, you're feeling a void and... Um, and it's interesting because they were saying the quiet ones, the ones that cheer their kid on, the ones that take them to the side and say, that was great. You know, mm-hmm. you did a great job. Here's some things maybe you can work on, but otherwise you did a fantastic job. You know, yeah. who are just quietly cheering and quietly just present and, and active in their kids' mm-hmm. lives are the ones that have experience, you know, yeah. winning and knows what that feels like and knows that that's, that's not the, the end-all, be-all. Mm-hmm. They've been there. You know, and they go, this was great for me at this time. Yep. But but my kid gets to experience it in their own way in whatever way that they want to be successful. You know? Yeah, it's it's funny. I um, uh, so the greatest linebacker of all time to ever play the game was Ray Lewis. Um, he's always been uh, who I try to emulate after. Hmm. Uh, Ray Lewis was a headhunter. I was a headhunter. I wanted to hit you so damn hard that your body shook and you didn't get back up. Yeah, that. Uh, I played with an, an aggression that I didn't want to hurt people just to hurt people, but I wanted you, I wanted to hurt you bad enough to where you did not want to come anywhere close to me. Yeah. And that's how Ray Lewis played. He played with crazy intensity, crazy speed, crazy mm-hmm. strength. And that's how I always emulated my, my game after. But once he's, once he started to slow down and right before he retired, um, he has sons that play. And play at a high level in high school and college at that time. Yeah. And because of his intensity, he was excited yeah. for his son. And even on the sideline, he was excited for his son. But he never would yell at, you need to be, you need to go, you need to. He'd be like, mm-hmm. that's all right. That's bad. All right. Yeah. You got to tackle. Good. Come on. Let's go. Keep going. You're doing yeah. great. You're doing great. He was intense because of his love for his son. But he wasn't a football dad. Yeah. This is the greatest linebacker of all time. Mm-hmm. And his son's playing running back. And, and I think another son was like a quarterback or, yeah. uh, 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 or something like that. And um, they weren't linebackers. Yeah. Like my, uh, he just, his love for his son and supporting his son was huge. And he told people all the time, if my son decided not to play football, I would not care. Yeah. And I've told, I've told a lot of people that knew that I played ball and all that stuff. They would, they would always say, well, how do you feel? I'm not playing. I, like if he decided to be a ballerina and wear a tutu, I don't care. Yeah. It doesn't matter to me what he wants to do. Mm-hmm. Hey, I played football. He don't need to be me. Mm-hmm. And, and that's one of the things I loved about Ray and that, and that little thing they did about him on, on ESPN is being the best ever, he that never transferred to his kid. 
Yeah. Ever. I mean, his kid is made from great stock. Right. And he's going to be an athlete. And he, if he wants to play football, he's going to be great at it, mm-hmm. right? He has that natural talent. But you never saw Ray Lewis like, all right, son, we're going out today to work on stuff. We're not, yeah. yeah, he didn't do that. His son had it naturally, and he just supported him. Yeah. And, and that's what, you know, I tried to do with, with my kid. Yeah, and, I, and, I, and I'm sure it's, a, um, it's an encouragement to pursue excellence in what you do. Yeah, of course. You know, be, because you have played top level, you've been a part of greatness. Mm-hmm. Um, the pursuit of excellence, you recognize, yeah. is um, the, I don't want to say glory, but that's, that's the passion, that's the drive. Yeah. You know, it, it's not um, the medals. It's not the, you know, the rings or whatever. It's the, you've pursued excellence and showed that you um, had glimmers of it. Hmm? And you were recognized for it. Yeah. Great. Well, I want to do that again in what I do next. You know, and, and you yeah. want your kids, no matter what that um, expression is, whether that's football or dance or whatever, mm-hmm. um, or theater, um, you want them to pursue Excellent. You know, dude, I I tell my son that all the time because he wants to be a, he wants to be an actor and he wants to, he likes gymnastics and parkour, but he wants to be an actor. He wants, he wants to go and actually work at Disney and and be a character and, you know, and, and, and go to, and go to. Those guys are freaking mind blowing. Yeah. Amazing. Exactly. And I, and and, and I've told him all the time, this dude, that's what you want to do. Let's do it. Just be, just try your ass off at Mm -hmm. it. Just, if you're going to do it, let's go do it at a hundred percent. Let's yeah. put as much effort in it as possible. And you have to if you're going to go to Disney. Yeah, and if you want to be good, this is what it takes. Yeah. And I'll support you. Let's do it. What do you sure. need? What do you need help with? Let's go. Yeah. You know, and, and um, you know, on top of, you know, having him understand that, look, you don't have to go to university to get knowledge. Mm-hmm. Like you, you don't have to go to college. Yeah. Like, you don't have to go to college. You can go to a trade school and make more money than people that go get a degree. Mm-hmm. You don't have to go to college. If you want to go to college, okay, but you don't have to go. Don't think that you have to go because yeah, his mom here is forcing you. Well, his mom's one of those people that you know you have to go to college. You know, yeah. old you know old thought process of well, if you don't go to college, you won't be anything. Well, that's sure. bullshit. That's yeah. complete bullshit. I know so many people that are CEOs of companies and all these things, and they went to a trade school. Yeah. Like, you know what? They, they Julian Pineau, one of the smartest people, my mentor, one of the smartest people in strength and conditioning in the entire world. He's a savant. Mm-hmm. Does not have a degree or anything close to a degree in his name in any way, shape, or form in anything. Mm-hmm. You know what he has a degree in? He has he learns by the law of goodwill hunting. Yeah. How you like them apples? Go find a book and read it. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And and that's yeah. what he did. He went, got books, read them, figured out stuff on yeah. his own. You want to you want to know more about nervous system? Well, let's read it. Let's find out. Let's find out people that are neurologists. Let's find out. You know, and, and yeah. he finds these things and he puts them together. And that's that's one of the things I tell because he looks up to. He's he's the only fifteen that I fifteen year old that I know that can sit down, take notes, and listen to a strong fit seminar because he did it in New York. Okay. And understand and be able to apply the principles. Mm-hmm. There's grown ass men and women that have been coaching for ten years that still are like, what? Hold yeah, on, what? And my son's like, I know how to do that. Pff, internal torque, external torque. Yeah. That's how you do it. Like he's making his own YouTube videos on how to show people how to do. At That's fifteen, cool. right? You know, and I didn't ask him to do it. Right. He just wanted to do it because he's he. 
it's one of those things where excellence recognizes excellence. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't know what a kid's going to be excellent in. Hopefully he's excellent in whatever he wants to do, but it's easily to recognize excellence. It's Mm -hmm. easy to recognize somebody that has more between their ears than just soft, squishy goo, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Understanding that, you know, when you talk and, and, and deal with somebody like Julian, you know, there's, it's a whole nother gear, dude. Yeah. I mean, the guy reads theoretical physics for fun. (laughs) There's a whole nother level of, of something there. Sure. You know what I mean? And my, my son's doing all these, you know, just, he's reading these things and, 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 uh, taking notes and all these things. And I, I think, I think it's great. And, so that's what I try to get him to understand is you don't got to go to college, dude. Mm-hmm. You want to know something, read it, read yeah. about it. You don't have to have a degree to so make it out, in the world. You literally have everything at it's, your fingertips. Dude, the internet is crazy, dude. You know, you can find out whatever you want on the internet. Mm-hmm. Most of the time it's bad stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it's Always good stuff. Away. <laughs> yeah. It's just, you know what I mean? But that's what I, that's what I try to tell him and, yeah. and can keep him understanding. Yeah. Dad went to college. Dad didn't finish college work where I'm at now. I own my own business. I'm making an impact across the world. Yeah. I'm one of four coaches in the entire world that have this knowledge and can apply it at a certain level that people can't. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, I've done things in my life that people will never be able to do because they can't. Yeah. Because they're too afraid of one or they just can't. Mm-hmm. Not only did I play professional football, I not only did I win a state championship in the best football state there is under some of the worst uh, uh, teams from Friday Night Lights, Odessa Permian and all these guys playing against them and beating them and uh, Judson and, you know, all these teams and then going to college and 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 all this stuff. Not, Not only that, but I'm opening my own business, running my own business, leading you know, charging in in an area that somebody has never been into, and I'm doing it all without a degree. Mm-hmm. Like you don't you don't need a degree. Yeah, you need that passion. So why did you open up your uh, own CrossFit box? Yeah, so I mean, so I was I mean I was in school for kinesiology and, and you know and they're learning, and I had this always had this passion for training myself usually, but um, as I got older and older, I, I started having a uh, you have that empty spot, hmm. right? You have that, that thing, something's pulling on you, but you don't really know what it is, right? You, you don't quite know what it is, and you, you have to find it. You have to find it. And at the time, you know, one, one time it was being the best football player in the world, and the next time it was, you know, being a badass in the Navy, and then the next time it was, you know, oh, shit, what do I do now? Yeah. And going through school, I that's what started happening to me, and it, it got to a point to where I, I found my passion was helping people. Hmm. And, and it's how it's, it's always been underlining my entire life. You know, mm-hmm. there's so many times where, you know, because I grew up in such bad kind of scenarios and such bad surroundings. And, um, I've always wanted to try to help. Yeah. Um, so that's what happened is in college going through all that. And, uh, I wanted to help in something I already knew I was passionate in, and that was football. Mm-hmm. And um, so during college, I ran into my old buddy, Danielle Brazil, mm-hmm. uh, who his brother um, had gotten out of the NFL and uh, started 
uh, playing and now coaching for a minor league professional football team, and they said, you're coming to try out. Mm-hmm. And I was like, dude, I haven't played football in forever, not like full contact. And he's like, I don't care. Uh, we knew how you played. Yeah. And you're in shape. You're, uh, we want you to come try out. And so uh, I did, and I made the team. And um, uh, not really knowing what to expect, and I made the team, and I started training mm-hmm. to play football. And that led me uh, to the Michael Johnson's Performance Center, which is the most elite performance training center in the world. It's backed by Nike. Yeah. Like, you know, Indominus Sue, I trained with him, and, you know, all these super big names that uh, go to the NFL, that get drafted. And um, I fell in love again with the training aspect. Mm. And I found myself wondering why they were doing it this way. Why did you do that? And I started asking my trainers at the time, well, why, how come you're doing it this way? How, why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? And I, it kind of like dawned on me that this is what I want to do. Mm. Like I want to train people. Yeah. Like I want to, I not only want to train people, but I want to train elite athletes. Mm-hmm. So I was like, boom, dude, that's what I'm going to do. So um, ended up getting uh, involved with a, a, a gym and uh, becoming the director of performance and training at a gym. And um, uh, we took a, a girls high school volleyball team that couldn't barely make it to regionals and took them to state two years in a row. Mm-hmm. One and, and, you know, I trained some of the guys that I played with and some upper-level college guys, basketball, football. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've been doing CrossFit since 2006. Um, and I had a horrible experience from my first workout. Like, it was like thrusters and box jumps and fucking something else. And uh, it was you, you had me at demise when I, you know, I heard thrusters. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was ridiculous. I got a guy who was like, you got to try this CrossFit stuff. And I was like, what's that? He was like, oh, you just do this and this. And uh, yeah, you do some things, yeah. you mark your time. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, like it, it's, it's like it's eight minutes, dude. It's just eight minutes and you're done. Yeah. And I was like, all right, let me do your little eight-minute workout and then I'll go do mine, right? And uh, completely and totally destroyed me. And I was like, <laughs> fuck that, dude. I'll never do that again. That <laughs> oh, was wow. the most ridiculous thing I'll ever do. And then, of course, the next week I did it again. And uh, yeah. that was when CrossFit.com was, you know, that was it. That's yeah. where you looked at the water of the day and that's what you did. And I started doing that in 2006. And I would continually do that off and on. And, um, so remembering those workouts and wanting to add some endurance training and strength and endurance at the same time, which Mm -hmm. CrossFit is the best at, right. Mm -hmm. Um, for shortening that time, I started using that to help train my athletes and it went from one day to two days to three days to where we were basically just doing CrossFit for the most part. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, I'm gonna go get my level one. You know, I started doing research and I'm a, I'm a knowledge guy. You got to know more and more and more and more. So I started doing research and all this stuff, and I went and got my level one, uh, passed with flying colors. Uh, I don't know; they don't give you. Yeah, a I was like, <laughs> dude, I easily like, made. I was letting you have the color in the. In the I story. was easily made a hundred. Yes. They said I got an A, or it was test A. I don't remember what it was. I'm pretty sure it just says pass. Yeah, 
this. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, I got, I got, I got my level one and, um, I convinced the, the guy that had the gym at the time. I said, dude, you got to open a CrossFit gym. I can use it all the time. It'll bring money. You could start using it for people in town. Yeah. It'll bring money and, and um, use it all the time. and I can use it all the time. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> So we did, and I helped him start a, a, a CrossFit gym of his own, and I coached there and helped run it a little bit and uh, went to another gym and um, really just kind of left the performance side. That's when I I started really understanding that to make the biggest impact in the world, you can't look at elite athletes because you can mm-hmm. only change them this much. Yeah. You can elite athlete is already at such a level that mm-hmm. the amount that you're going to change them is so negligible. Mm-hmm. Versus how you can change grandma. Right. The quality of life you can give grandma or or even the next, you know, the mom that just had a kid or the dad that, you know, has had a heart attack or mm-hmm. has a bum knee or whatever. And the quality of life that you can help them have to give their kids a better quality of life or whatever it is. Or, you know, at 70 years old, you know, that's you're starting down on the downslope a little bit and. And you want them to have the best quality of life for the remaining time. And you mm-hmm. want to push that, that time as far away as you can. Right. And I started recognizing that's really where my passion started, hmm. started going is that, yeah, I mean, it's cool to work with elite athletes, but they're kind of dickheads. Yeah. Like it's, I mean, they're kind of prima donnas. They're kind of, you know, <laughs> kind of, yeah. um, so I, so that's why I went and started working at another gym and working with regular people and mm-hmm. I loved it. And, uh, you know, you saw people's lives changing. You saw quality of life increasing all of it right in front of your eyes, man. I mean, it's, it's, there's nothing like as a coach seeing that light bulb movement, seeing those eyes widen and brighten when they've done something that, Mm -hmm. uh, like what we talked today, when they've done something that they never thought they could. Yeah. That's such a, that's such an endorphin rush. It's just such a boost to your ego as in, you know, I'm the man I can help, you know? Mm -hmm. And, of course, you got to kind of cool that down, but it's, it's awesome to help and change people's lives. Yeah. And, and what better way can you do that on a grander scale than the normal people, the everyday, mm-hmm. the 90, 99ers, the mom and dads, the normal, the normal people, right? I tell people all the time, one of the main reasons that I, um, uh, I train because we have a lot of first responders in the gym that own now a lot of firemen. Mm-hmm. And it's, I tell them all the time, if I can get that fireman stronger, faster, better, and so much so, instead of only being able to drag out one person, he can drag out two. Yeah. That second person he drags out, the way life works, man, that second person he drags out will end up being the person that drags him out. Mm. And you start getting this like six degrees of separation whenever it comes to fitness and how it yeah. helps one person help another and helps another and mm-hmm. and how you helping them could change their lives in a way that could help somebody else and then and then it continues on its path and you're not making an impact in one person's life so that he can be a better football player now you're making an impact in in somebody's lives that can save lives mm-hmm. right so how do you know you're not just saving the this kid that from a fire that's the next Nobel prize winner for developing some virus antibody that yeah. can cure cancer, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is. Yeah. I mean, it may sound crazy to some people, but that's the way I think about it. Yeah. I want to help as many people as possible. And, and, and that's kind of the way I, I look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, I love seeing people have those moments that I've had over the years. You know, like I had a girl uh, who's been working out in my garage lately mm-hmm. 
Um, and she came one night and she was like, oh, I just, I can't stop my mind. I'm just stressed out, you know, I'm yep. just, I'm just, everything's going crazy. And so like I had programmed some box jumps for her that mm-hmm. night and she was like, ah, you know, I don't, I don't know if I can do that many, like, cause there were sets of 15 and, yeah. and, and she's like, I just, yeah, I don't know. I've never done that. I was like, that's fine. We'll do, you'll do step ups, you know, eventually, you know, let's try, let's start out five box jumps every, every round. Then we'll finish it with step ups. We'll see how that goes. You know, and so she gets into it, and uh, and during the strength portion of what we were working on, um, I was like, "Stop thinking, stop thinking." Yeah. She was overthinking everything, and, yeah, of and she was, and she got a couple of lifts that surprised her. And she's like, "Well, I didn't, didn't really know I could do that," you know. Yeah. And, and I was like, "Great, now we got the mind kind of engaged in what yeah. we're doing out of there thing." And then we went to those box jumps, and so the next round, I was like, "Okay, give me five. And I was like, "Okay, just breathe real deep, couple couple deep breaths. Great. Can you, let's do five more. You were doing great." Plenty of clearance in the block yeah. box, you know, just talking her through it. And because um, she happened to be the only one that showed up that night. So she had me like 100% yeah, yeah. like engaged with her. Yeah. And in uh, the third round, she came around and, uh, and I said, well, that's great. Well, okay, look, I know you're tired. Let's just do five box jumps. And she was like, okay, I did five. And then I was like, okay, I think you got three more in you. And like she would do three and she's like, oh gosh, okay. All right, I'm, I'm fixing to go. I was like, all right, let's just try, let's try three more. You know, three was a good number for you. So, so she works up to 15 and, mm-hmm. and without her knowledge, yep. without her even knowing it. And, uh, at the end I was like, I thought you told me you couldn't do 15 box jumps in a row. And she was like, well, dang, yeah, I did that. I did and do I like, 15. Yeah. You did. You did. And it, it was all you. It was, it was moving beyond. And, and I love those, those moments of just clarity of the realization of you, you might be more than you've been taught you are. Oh yeah. And, and you might be more than what people have said you are. And mm-hmm. you might be more than what you think about yourself. Oh yeah, of course. Those are invaluable moments. Yeah. Those are light bulb moments that I man. love. Yeah. You know, and to be a part of it yep. as just someone walking with her alongside of her yeah. is an incredible gift. Yeah, man. Those are, that's what fuels passion, man. That's those yeah. little, those little light bulb moments for other people are those little diamonds in the rough that, you know for a fact you just changed that person's life. Mm-hmm. You changed that person's life that day at that time for the better. Now they have a little bit more confidence for the next day. Yeah. And that's that's great. That's 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 the everyday life of a coach, or it should be the everyday life of mm-hmm. a coach. And and those are the things that dr- should drive you to do what you do. Yeah. Um, that's one of the reasons why, like, coaches that work in my gym, you don't get paid when you first start, start mm-hmm. there. Like if you don't have the passion to do it for free, yeah, you ain't gonna have the passion when I give you money, <laughs> right? Right. You know what I mean? My my when I first started coaching, I coached for a year straight with zero dollars mm-hmm. for a year. Yeah. That was my internship a year before he's like, all right, I'll start paying you, right? And I mean, the whole time I'm I'm working at a feed store, throwing hundred pound bales of hay and mm-hmm. 50 pound bags around all damn day and yeah. and the hundreds and hundreds and working at a, a custom cabinetry shop in the freaking heat and you know <laughs> yeah. and, and have tore up hands from all just the wood hustling. and just i mean i'm working my ass off to basically spend my nights mm-hmm. for free working to help other people yeah you know and and that's what happened you know that's why i had to end up quitting school because you know it got to a point to where look i, I gotta start putting food on the table and yeah and as much as i want a degree i, I gotta put food on the table i gotta yeah. pay bills man and but 
even with that, I, I refused. I, I refused to let my passion go unquenched, to, mm. to, to just let it burn out and die and, mm-hmm. and, and kind of fall to the wayside. I refused to do that. Yeah. The fire is too fucking hot, man. Yeah. Fire is too fucking hot for me to just do that. Right. So, so I just busted my ass. I worked, I worked multiple jobs and, and coast at night and, so what made you switch over to owning your own box? So my, um, uh, it's kind of a crazy, uh, setup. Um, so, uh, just like a lot of other people, fear is one of the things that kind of controls your life. And, um, um, out of nowhere, I found out that my dad had stage four lung cancer, Mm um, came out of nowhere. Um, all of a sudden one day he was sucking air down a, uh, oxygen mast. Um, two weeks later, he was dead. Wow. Uh, went from being like, uh, I can barely breathe to, uh, sitting on his bed saying the last words he ever said to me, what haunts me still to this day. And, um, he told me, um, I love you. Take care of yourself mm. and haunts me all the time. Yeah. It, I mean, I can hear his voice in the back of my head uh-huh. when I think about that and it will not go away. Mm. And my dad was, a, you know, like I said, my dad was a redneck and that's take care of yourself, boy. And it just fucking won't go away. And Why haunts is that? Me. Uh, Why do you think you hold on to that? It's his like last. He knew he, he knew he was leaving. That's it. He knew he was done. That's it. And he wanted to leave. That's it. His last words. That's yeah. his last words. That's his way of saying, I love you. And uh, make sure that you take care of yourself. Yeah. Because I can't anymore. Yeah. And it it will always stay with me mm. for the rest of my life. And um, the one of the coolest things is, um, which is hard, is um, the last time you saw my son. Um, at that time, he could barely keep his eyes open. He could barely sit up straight. Yeah. And, um, I mean, he was dying big time, big Mm -hmm. time dying. And, um, uh, he asked to see Austin, my son, and, uh, I brought him over and he fought to pour my son cereal. Mm. He, um, he fought to sit up straight and try to talk to him. Yeah. And, uh, that's the hardest thing I think is, um, Seeing, watching and seeing him fight and uh, spilling milk everywhere. And my son saying, it's okay, Grandpa, I got it. Yeah. So, you know, those two things will, they'll stay with me forever. It's always hard to see, especially those strong, strong individuals who have seemingly lost all of their power and strength. Yeah. It's, yeah. That's hard. And then seeing my six-year-old understand what's going on. And uh, having the heart to say, don't worry about it. I got it. Yeah. So, mm. you know. What character he has, man. Mm. Yeah. He's a good kid. He's got that from his mom. I'm just <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> but, um, no, you're it's a. Uh, you're a pretty good guy. Uh, yeah, so when that happened, he, he um, left me an inheritance. He left... Um, uh, much of his inheritance as he could. Uh, when my dad finally died, um, uh, last, uh, 10 years of his life, he was actually working for the largest electric 
construction company in the South, uh, uh-huh. in controlled um, Texas, Oklahoma, New Mexico, Arkansas, <laughs> and yeah, Louisiana. Um, yeah. In that in that company, he ran the largest fleet of vehicles at 280 vehicles. Mm-hmm. He was the foreman for all those vehicles, so he's in charge. Yeah. Um, he was a, he's been a master mechanic all his life. He's one of those guys that you can tell him what's wrong with the car, and he'll say, turn the car on, let me listen to it yeah. over the phone, and he knows what's wrong with it. That's awesome. Um, change this, change this, boom, fixed. Mm-hmm. And uh, because of that, uh, the guy that owned the company, um, Texas guy, um, this is how big the company was. The guy who owned the company had uh, lunch with Jerry Jones once a week, mm-hmm. the owner of the Cowboys, oh, yeah, the billionaire. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad was his guy. If, yeah. if he bought a brand new... Uh, Ford Lightning, and he wanted a different supercharger on it, brought it to my dad. Yeah. If he wanted a, his new Cobra to have a better blower on it, brought it to my dad. Mm-hmm. Like, um, my dad was his guy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so he started making a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, when he passed, he was, um, you know, pushing close to $150,000 a year. Yeah. Um, and remember where I started. Yeah. Uh, you know, we were dirt poor and mm-hmm. I don't, that's not a joke. We were dirt poor. Yeah. You know where dirt poor comes from? Dirt poor comes from not having enough money to pay for flooring in your house. Mm, yeah. So you had a dirt floor. That's why it's called dirt poor. Um, so we, we come from nothing to this, to this point where my dad worked his ass off his entire life mm. to be in a position where he made enough money to take care of everybody and the last you know five six years of his life thanksgivings were ridiculous and christmas was ridiculous and it was you know that's when my son was here and we finally moved out of the navy back to texas and he had his family back and you know he had his boys back and Mm. we would go to dinner you know every every wednesday at the trough and you know at the trough and hang out and hang out with my boy and we would go to gun shows and Uh you know all do all the things that uh, as a kid, when I hated my father because of how uh, abusive and 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 mean and uh, you know hard nosed he was, mm. it, those those last years where we were best friends, mm. and um, multiple times of him telling me that he knew what he did when I was a kid was wrong and saying sorry. Oh wow! Um, so those last years were amazing. And then uh, when he when he had his life stolen away from him, um, because he stopped smoking, he smoked all his life. He stopped smoking because my son said it stank and he didn't like it. My dad quit cold turkey that day. Wow, which is crazy. Um, That's very crazy. And then having it stole stole from him, and then um, leaving me uh, money, I ref- I refused, I refused, and still refused to this day to let my dad down. So. Mm-hmm. Um, me running other gyms and and doing all this stuff for other people, I had more of a passion for a bigger impact. And um, at the time, it would take me selling everything I own, moving to another city that I don't really know, mm-hmm. and uh, opening a business without knowing if it'll work or not. Mm-hmm. And um, 
moving uh, under false pretenses from my uh, wife at that time, um, kind of bringing her back to her hometown so that she could leave me. And then, ah. yeah, and then um, opening opening a gym for me was not only did I step off of a ledge that I did not could not see the bottom of, mm-hmm. I fucking ran up to it and leaped. Yeah. And uh, I put everything that I ever owned into opening a gym, which wasn't very much. Was this before or after she left you? Uh, this is right before. Okay. And, um, uh, I mean, it's my gym, 100%, you know, and uh, she has no any bearing on any of it. Uh, she just wanted to be out. So, um, so leaping off of this ledge and... And something that I had plenty of knowledge in because of the way I am having to collect more and more and be smarter and smarter and mm-hmm. know more and more and be better at this and better at that. And having that that drive for excellence and being the best there is uh, to change as many lives as possible, I opened it up and then boom, was left. And then, mm. you know, having my son not with me half the time and... Um, my my gym is named after my kid. That's his initials, ACR. Huh. Um, so it was uh, it was based off of fear and re- refusal to let those words that haunt me affect um, you know what I did in the future. Uh, ever letting my my dad down. Yeah. Not making him proud, even though he's not around. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think as a son, we're always trying and fighting and, and pushing to make our fathers proud. Sure. And, I mean. Regardless of how they treated us. Completely regardless. Yeah. Uh, and and for me, that was the, the biggest thing I could do. Mm. Was completely, I mean completely open your arms and just falling forward and hoping for the best and fucking working your ass off to, to, to make it work. Yeah. And that's, that's what I do. I, this can't, it cannot fail. The gym cannot fail. Mm-hmm. Cause I can't, this is, this is, I got everything in it. This is everything I know. This is all the time I spend. This is mm-hmm. all the knowledge is behind it. All, everything I do is for my, for my gym to support my family, to make a fucking dent in the world. Yeah. To make the biggest dent possible in the world. I refuse just to worry about changing people's lives in Panama City. I want to change people's lives everywhere. Switzerland, Holland, mm. Germany, Canada, Mexico, all over the US, like and everywhere. Yeah. But your your gym is currently changing lives, you know, it even is, yeah. where it is, yeah. Oh, of course, yeah. I mean yeah. that's why we have the coaching staff that we have. That's why I refuse to have um, lackluster coaches or coaches that don't have the passion that I do. I mm-hmm. refuse to have coaches that'll just sit on their ass and just just go through the motions. Yeah. And I've had those coaches, yeah. and um, uh, I've had I've had conversations with some of the biggest names in CrossFit uh, on how to deal with those. Logan Gelbrook, the guy that owns Deuce, Deuce Gym, me and him talked many many times on mm-hmm. on coaching staff issues and. What does he think uh, I should do? And him being part of Strong Fit helps. And yeah, you know this. Uh, um, 
and talking with Julian and Richard and, you know, other coaches of, you know, you can't accept bullshit. You cannot, you cannot accept this is your gym. This is what do you want it to be? Yeah. You make it what you want it to be. Mm-hmm. And I refuse to, to have those. And that's why I have coaches now that they'll work for free mm-hmm. because they have the passion for it. And, yeah. and, and, and they'll push and they'll go and they'll do mm-hmm. to, to make themselves better, but not only themselves better, but also make other people better. Mm-hmm. And, and they'll do whatever I, whatever I need them to do, but even more so what the members need them to do to get better, to provide more, to change more lives, to make a dent of their, uh, on their own. Yeah. That's awesome. So, um, in that, in that pursuit of excellence in that pursuit of, of having a box and beyond that, that makes the greatest impact in the world. You, you, um, get into the fold of strong fit yep. and, um, what, what's the, what's the big thing here with, with strong fit? What, what is it that everybody needs to know about it? Like if they, if people have never heard anything about it, um, what, what would you say to them? Uh, in in a succinct way, because I have to define that for you. Yeah, because we'll be here all night, and then <clears throat> tomorrow. To, to me, how about I take a shot at it, and you tell me how I'm wrong and what you would explain. Is that, is that... let's uh, let's take a break and get a drink, and then do it. Okay, <laughs> body break. We'll be right back. Hey, thanks again for listening to the Barbell Voodoo Podcast. Hey, if you don't mind, on your way out, if you could go by Instagram and follow our page, Barbell Voodoo Podcast. It's brand new. It's part of the Barbell Voodoo family, and we would love for you to go follow us. You can also check me out at fitby40.blog. Otherwise, we'll see you next time.